Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This, to me, is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. I won't be voting for Kevin McCarthy tomorrow. There's nothing that indicates to me that he's going to change his pattern since he's been in leadership where he's part of the swamp cartel. Kevin's style is to keep working and uh, essentially find ways to bring people together. He didn't have 210 votes. He didn't have 200 votes. He didn't have 190 votes. Kevin doesn't have the votes. Well, those are some very, very different opinions across Capitol Hill today. Good morning and welcome to Jenna Ellis in the morning on today, January 3rd, that the new Congress, of course, will be sworn in and later, approximately 1030 or so, the debate will start as far as who is going to be elected Speaker of the House. And of course, Kevin McCarthy is hoping that will be him, but there is a wide diversity of opinion on that. And so later on in the program, Congressman Jim Jordan, who is one of my absolute favorite people on Capitol Hill, will join us to give his perspective that you might really find uh, different than what you were expecting. But uh, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene both had some interesting commentary. And here is what Matt Gates had to say about not voting for Kevin McCarthy because he thinks he is a, quote, shill for the establishment. Listen to this. I'm not voting for Kevin McCarthy for speaker because I think he's just a shill of the establishment. I think that Kevin McCarthy is little more than a vessel through which lobbyists and special interests operate. And the reason most of my Republican colleagues are supporting him is because they benefit from the redistribution of lobbyist and special interest money through McCarthy to their campaign accounts. And the bottom line is that's not going to work anymore. We need someone like Jim Jordan as the Speaker of the House who can cast a vision and who has the trust and confidence of people across the spectrum in the House. Well, it's no secret that I have been a staunch critic of Kevin McCarthy and what I call the McLeadership with my friend Raheem Kassam. If you uh, read the National Pulse, uh, Raheem does an excellent job of uh, curating and culling a lot of uh, the great news from Capitol Hill from a conservative perspective. And McLeadership has uh, been the term that has been coined for Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and Ronna McDaniel. Of course, the RNC chair race will be later this month. We'll cover that. Uh, hopefully, my good friend Harmeet Dillon, who is running for chair, will join us on the program. If you missed her on my podcast, you can go back and listen at the Jenna Ellis Show or anywhere that you stream. I did a whole interview with her um, just the week before Christmas on why she wants to run for RNC chair, really turn the GOP around and have more conservative principles and goals and values that will go into the GOP's priorities, starting with the new majority today. So what's going to happen with Kevin McCarthy? Interestingly, Marjorie Taylor Greene also joined me on The Jenna Ellis Show, and she said that she's supporting Kevin McCarthy because unlike Matt Gates, and uh, you probably all know that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates usually go hand in hand in terms of their opinions, 
but she said that Jim Jordan probably is a little too far to the right and too conservative to be elected speaker uh, rather than having the whole coalition or the wide swath of the GOP. So here's what she had to say on my show just a few weeks ago. Listen to this. I'm a realist, and so I make my decision based on what's actually realistic, not what we wish or fantasize can happen in Congress. Um, And unfortunately, that's being sold to a lot of people, and I think that's wrong. So um, I will tell you the truth every single time, whether people like to hear it or not. It's just the factual truth. Here's Here's where we are with Kevin McCarthy. Can I promise you exactly what he'll do as speaker? Absolutely, I cannot. But that's why I point to his public statements. His public statements are the statements that I can support. His public statements are the statements that I can help make happen and our Republican conference can help make happen. And his public statements are also what we can all hold him accountable for. So that was Marjorie Taylor Greene on why she is supporting Kevin McCarthy today for speaker. And you're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And if you want to join me on the program, give me your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy. There is a wide diversity of opinion on whether or not he should be speaker today. I've seen a lot of commentary on Twitter over the last few weeks that people think that he is a rhino. People don't believe uh, what Marjorie Taylor Greene is suggesting that he will actually keep his word. So if you want to join me on the program, let me know what you think. Call us now at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And so as we as conservative Christians are looking at what's going on in Washington today, and we have, of course, the Republican majority, and Republican doesn't always necessarily mean conservative. Remember, we have to be conservatives first. We have to be Christians first and where we can support the Republican agenda or the GOP's agenda that aligns with scripture, that aligns with Christian truth, then we absolutely can support the Republican agenda. Um, Some of you may know if you have followed me previously in, um, of course, my work for President Trump or my representation of Pastor John MacArthur uh, amid the COVID shutdown and um, all of these kind of controversies over the last few years, you may know that um, as a Colorado resident, I actually left the Republican Party in the aftermath of the 2020 election and how disappointed I was with the GOP leadership. And uh, I registered as unaffiliated in Colorado because the primary reason was not only that Ronna McDaniel had uh, blatantly lied on a, a hit on Newsmax, Uh, when she was being interviewed about um, some of the aftermath of the 2020 election, but also that she stands so uh, firmly and very clearly for the LGBT agenda, and she believes that the Republican Party should be a wide tent. Uh, That obviously is fundamentally in conflict with Christian principles and with the Christian worldview. So I would love to re-register as a Republican. I would love to support... Uh, more strongly what the Republican Party is doing. But there are definitely aspects of the current GOP that as a Christian, I can't support and I'm not going to support. So we as Christians always have to remember whether it is a personality like someone like President Trump or Ron DeSantis, who both obviously have very, very strong supportive bases, 
whether it's uh, the Republicans versus the Democrats, we have to make sure that majorities don't just matter, but that ultimately we are supporting truth. That is what matters. So as Christians, how do we look at this and how do we understand what we are talking about on this show as our system of government? So when we take the Kevin McCarthy uh, leadership vote today, when we look at what the new majority is doing, and I'm going to ask Jim Jordan about that in the next segment, what he projects for the new majority in Congress. How do we understand our role as citizens in our American system of government? Well, obviously, we get to select and prefer our leaders. We get to vote them into office. And of course, we need free and fair elections for that. But what happens when we get to the post-election? So right now, we have the new sworn-in Congress today. And there are two real uh, theories behind whether or not our representatives are truly representatives of we the people in the sense that they will ask us for our opinion and go with the majority vote of their base or their district or their state, um, depending on their office, or are they what is called trustee uh, government representatives? And so the difference, of course, is that a representative model will be uh, more attenuated and more attuned to what the base wants, and they'll listen to their constituency. Where a trustee model, we are saying we've elected you by aspects of direct democracy. We have elected you, and therefore we are trusting you to exercise your best judgment in office. And so even if uh, the majority of the base says, for example, we don't want Kevin McCarthy. Please don't vote for Kevin McCarthy. Then someone like a Marjorie Taylor Greene would say, well, I'm exercising my best judgment because I'm here on Capitol Hill. You uh, in Georgia, her home state, you have sent me to Washington to exercise my best judgment in selecting a leader for our new majority, for our caucus. Therefore, I am going to uh, go ahead and um, exercise that vote, even if it goes against what the majority of her constituency wants. So how do we analyze that from a Christian worldview? Well, from the perspective that, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy may or may not, uh, if he is speaker, actually fulfill his promises, so we don't know yet uh, whether or not he will fulfill a model that is a true form of government that would be consistent with the Christian worldview. We could give him the opportunity or we could select someone like Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise or others. Um, but just like the challenge that faced voters in 2016 with President Trump, where he promised a lot of things, but no one actually knew because he didn't have a track record. But I was very grateful to see President Trump fulfill all of his promises and uh, keep those in a way that was most consistent with pro-life stances, the things that Christians uh, truly want out of our government. So is direct democracy really the best form of government? Well, we have to ask that question because just because a majority will of people determine what they want or an outcome on a specific issue does not change objective truth. And so we can't legitimize evil through a legal mechanism 
any more than we can simply legislate ourselves out of the Earth's elliptical orbit. So humans don't have that control. And regardless of how many tyrants a given society has, no human, singular or collective, is unlimited in power. So reality always shows us that self-evident truth. But secular humanism is the philosophy that contends humans have the capacity to determine ethics with no greater plumb line than a declaratory judgment, some enforcement power, or the current point in history that society finds itself on. So we often hear that term being on the wrong side of history, and that can change with the whim of the dominant majority ethic, rather than being a consistent, predictable, universal, and immutable truth. And that's when a right and wrong changes, depending on sheer majority will, and right and wrong then are no longer measurably different. So the unpopular truth here is that our American constitutional republic was not founded on secular humanism ethics or the premise that we the people can always self-determine ethics or morality. Our founders instead provided a worldview statement in our unanimous declaration that reflects an objective universal standard recognizing as a nation that truth exists, it is self-evident, it is not subjective to man's whim, and one self-evident truth that men are created by God and God, not our government, endows us with our fundamental rights. And one of those rights specifically and textually acknowledged is the right to life. So as we are looking at so many different debates, if we're looking at the difference between representative and trustee, my personal view is that it's a balance between the two. We do have a representative government in the sense that our elected officials should ask us what we think, should take into consideration the opinions of their constituents, but we do have a trustee form that we are trusting them to exercise their best judgment. But that best judgment always, always has to follow the word of God and be under not only the U.S. Constitution, under our supreme rule of law, but it can't be inconsistent with right and wrong and that measurable difference. It always has to reflect doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God. And even if the majority of constituents want an elected official to go against God's ultimate truth and morality, there is absolutely no basis and no authority under our system of government for that elected official to do so. So we'll be right back with my good friend Jim Jordan here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, 
go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Eric Holcomb, Governor of Indiana. He is the state's 51st governor, and in 2020, he received the most votes for governor in Indiana history. 1 Timothy 3.2 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Governor Eric Holcomb as he governs the state of Indiana. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Tell me. Why a team worth $800 million should put you in the driver's seat. This Christmas, if you give me a chance, I will not let you down. Life made him an underdog. All my life, I've defined myself through sports. I was meant for something more. Faith made him a champion. God is going to do something great with you. Experience the true story of legendary quarterback Kurt Warner. Destiny belongs to the underdogs. You want to prove that? American Underdog. In theaters everywhere, Christmas Day. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Passion 2022 is underway in Atlanta. 65,000 college kids gathered inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, filled to the rafters for two days of worship and Bible study. More than 1,300 colleges and universities are represented at the annual conference, the first time since the event went remote during the early days of the pandemic. Now, critics blasted Passion organizers for a lack of social distancing and mask mandates, but the college kids don't seem to mind one bit, neither do the speakers, like Tim Tebow and worship leader Carrie Job. What's truly fascinating is the lack of media coverage. Imagine if 65,000 college kids were marching for transgender rights or Black Lives Matter. There'd be wall-to-wall coverage, news anchors broadcasting special reports from Atlanta. But there's been no coverage of passion, no interest in a bunch of Christian young people worshiping God. What's ironic is that those 65,000 college kids could very well change the direction of our nation. I'm Todd Starnes. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. And welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'm Jenna Ellis. And as promised, we are going to get right to Congressman Jim Jordan. On a very auspicious day, we are looking at the swearing in of the new Congress and the new conservative Republican majority. And so the big news today is that the vote for speaker is poised to happen. So Congressman Jim Jordan, welcome. And what are your thoughts headed into today? Well, I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm supporting Leader McCarthy. I hope he will be the speaker. I think he is, uh, as I've said many times before, he has done a great job of keeping our team together, uh, focused on dealing with uh, just, just how radical the left has uh, now become and, and, and the fact that they control the Democrat Party. So um, I always point to the, to the example, you know, a few years ago, Jenna, you, you remember when, when the Democrats did their crazy impeachment of President Trump, uh, the conventional wisdom was that uh, – that impeachment vote in the House of Representatives that, that every Democrat was going to vote to impeach uh, the president, and several Republicans were going to join him. And after we went through that four-month debate, um, 
uh, and, and showed how ridiculous this, that, that whole thing was, uh, pointing out the facts, you had every single Republican in the House vote not to impeach, and several Democrats joined us, and one switched parties and has now uh, been reelected twice as a Republican member of the House of Representatives and is, of course, part of our majority uh, in the House this Congress. So um, that happens when you have the, the, uh, a leadership that, that can keep your team focused and united. So I hope we can unite around uh, Leader McCarthy and get a speaker elected uh, today, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that, that shakes out here uh, later. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have as, as much, obviously, background as you in in the behind the scenes context. But then there are a few people like uh, your your fellow colleague, uh, Representative Matt Gates, who said, quote, every single Republican in Congress knows that Kevin does not actually believe anything. He has no ideology. Uh, Matt Gates went on to say, quote, some conservatives are using this fact to convince themselves that he is the right leader for the moment, as McCarthy is so weak, he'll promise anything to anyone, unquote. And of course, yesterday, McCarthy did send that letter that uh, suggested that he would go along with the five-member vote of no confidence mm-hmm. to lower the threshold. Um, so what's your response to Matt Gates and some others who are very concerned with Kevin McCarthy's leadership? And I think, frankly, a lot of uh, the listeners are concerned that he's really not going to stand for conservative policies. Well, Matt, Matt's a good friend uh, of mine, and Matt is one sharp guy when it, uh, when it comes. You've seen him in action in, in our, on our committee, on, on, on the Judiciary Committee, his ability to cross-examine a witness and, and make a point and, and get to the facts is, is second to none. So we appreciate Matt. Um, uh, I just have a different perspective. I think, I think, you know, the guy who gets you to the Super Bowl should get to coach the game, and Kevin has been the leader over the last four years. And it seems to me that, um, you know, we picked up seats in, in 20. Uh, we picked up more seats and, and got the majority in 22. Um, uh, and and with, with that being the case, it seems that that individual should have an opportunity to, to lead the conference. And as I've said, I think Leader McCarthy has been much better at reaching out and working with conservative members of, of our conference uh, as, as, frankly, compared to previous Republican leaders. And so I, I appreciate that fact and feel like he's earned the right to, uh, to have a chance to, to, to lead the House of Representatives. And us to get focused on doing what we told the voters we're going to do, which is, you know, passing legislation that will deal with the border crisis, passing legislation that will deal with the inflation and energy concerns, passing legislation that, that will begin to uh, hold the line on spending and get some control there. And then, of course, doing our constitutional duty, doing the oversight and the investigations that need to be done so that the American people get the get the facts and get the truth uh, about what their government has been doing and how it has been weaponized, particularly the Department of Justice, has been weaponized against we the people. And that's what we should be focused on. That's what I want to do. Um, and uh, let's hope we can, we can get there as, as quickly as possible. Yeah, and, and I echo all of those uh, priorities and affirm that because I think for most of uh, the listeners and everyone who is tuning in all across the country, they're concerned about exactly the issues that you've articulated. And of course, uh, the border crisis and with uh, with Title 42, I mean, that's an interesting issue that is going to be argued in front of the Supreme Court in February. Um, but I'm curious as to your perspective on that, because even though um, obviously that has helped stem the, the border crisis and the tide of illegal immigrants, um, using COVID as a pretext to me as a conservative doesn't seem like that's the best maneuver to say, OK, we need to continue to use COVID as a pretext for the border. Isn't that Congress's job? 
No, you're 100% right. I mean, that just shows you how bad the situation is that we are kind of clinging to this idea of, of, a, of, a, of a health emergency uh, issue as a way to, to make it from make the border from being as, as even, more, even more of a chaotic situation. So, yeah, I, 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 I think we got to go back to the things that worked actually under President Trump. Uh, we've said that now for a couple years because we've had the worst border situation you can imagine. We, we frankly, we don't have a border any longer. And we, we have a border. We no longer have a border because the Biden administration announced from the get-go, from day one, they said, we're, we're going to get rid of Remain in Mexico. We're not going to build the wall, and we're not going to deport anyone. And so think about that. A person coming to this great country, and you can't, you can't blame people for wanting to come, but a person coming here, they know when they get here, they won't have to wait in Mexico while their claim is uh, adjudicated. There'll be no wall to get over, and welcomed right in, they will never get deported. Well, who wouldn't come? That's the reason we have millions and millions of people, record numbers, who've come under the Biden administration. So you're right. It, it, it's sad that we have to look to this Title 42 to, uh, as a way to stem, stem what's already a chaotic situation from being even worse. But um, it, it's, it's a failure to do the things that the common sense policy that we know work, that worked under President Trump. Right. Well, and and looking at the congressional majority, I mean, all of this, I think Americans by and large, if there are any reasonable Democrats, and and there are still a few out there, I think people tend to disagree with me on that, but I know a few. And then most Americans just generally see these issues. They see what the, the priorities that Congress should be focused on. They are really excited to have this new majority. Um, how well do you think, even you know, assuming it is Leader McCarthy and assuming that you have these priorities, uh, do you think he and your conference can work with the Senate to actually get some of this passed as well, given the nature and the composition there? Would something like uh, common sense immigration and border policy actually have an opportunity to go through Congress and get to a potential veto-proof uh, kind of majority when we're looking at the next two years of a President Joe Biden, unless he's impeached? I think that's real tough, Jenna, but that, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do what the American people elected us to do in the House. So we will pass a common-sense energy bill. We will pass legislation. It'll come out of the Judiciary Committee, uh, legislation that will be immigration enforcement legislation, border security legislation. We will pass those things. We'll, we will pass legislation that will empower parents when it comes to their son or daughter's education. We will do those things. I don't think they will, they'll get through the Senate. And if they get through the Senate, I doubt that Joe Biden would sign them. But we do it. It takes work. You show the country. Here's what we want to get done. Here's what you elected us to do in the House. If you give us the Senate and give us the White House, then we can actually get these things passed. So we should do all that. And then when those bills are just sitting over there in the Senate, they're not taking them up, they're not passing them, then we should be focused on the oversight that I mentioned before. Getting to the bottom of the Department of Justice being now a political operation, going after their political opponents, the whistleblowers who've had come forward and talked to us about it, that we'll spend time getting to the bottom of all that, doing our duty in a way that's consistent with the Constitution, but doing the investigations that need to be done. And then finally, the, the, the final step is there are certain bills that do have to pass. The appropriation bills that actually fund the government, they do have to pass. And one of the things the founders understood, when they set up this greatest country ever, the greatest form of government ever, when they set it up, they wanted the House to be the body closest to the people. That's why every two years the, the people get a chance to throw us out. And they said that body that's keeping where the taxing and spending bills start. 
So the power of the purse is really important, and we should focus on that. That's where we can have an impact. The government limiting funds going to certain things, uh, particularly areas that are, that are being weaponized against we the people, that's where we should, uh, should focus, and that's where we're going to have real national debate, I think, over the next two years uh, in this divided government. And we're talking with Congressman Jim Jordan, who is um, an amazing conservative, and we're so grateful to have you on the show today, Congressman. And you know, speaking of weaponizing the the government, um, you know, there was an article that I read yesterday about the potential uh, new leader of the IRS, and talking about you know Joe Biden's new eighty seven thousand IRS agents. Is that something that? the majority and, and the conservative Republicans are looking at in terms of uh, just common sense policy and defunding some yeah. of those ridiculous things to make it better for the American people? Yeah, great question. That's, that's, that's the, the first bill that we've, uh, that Leader McCarthy has indicated that we're going to take up, uh, which, will, which will be to take away the money for those 87,000 IRS agents. I saw that same story um, uh, about Mr. Warfall uh, coming back to the, to the IRS. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I'm going to go back and, and, and do some research on this, but Mr. Warfall was one of the guys brought in back when, uh, back when the whole targeting, when, when the IRS was uh, targeting conservative groups. Remember the whole lowest learner issue? And he was brought in as the guy who was supposed to help clean the place up um, and was sort of the interim director, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to go back and look at some of our files on, on Mr. Warfall and his, his, his work uh, 10 years ago when he was brought in, because I just saw that story where he's coming back. But yeah, that, that will be one of the bills that we focus on right from the get-go, is to take away the money from uh, those, uh, those 87,000 IRS agents. And then we'll see what the Senate does. I mean, again, the, the people are with us clearly on that legislation. They clearly are. They don't want that kind of stuff happening, because they know it's going to be targeting conservatives and, and, and Republican small business owners. They know where it's coming. Uh, but we'll see what the Senate does when, when we pass that. Yeah, well, maybe this will finally show uh, some of the more extreme and also moderate Democrats the truth about Democrats if this passes with overwhelming support from the American people yep. and then the, the those in the Senate who are Democrats don't want to support something that is so clearly and obviously supported by Americans. And uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, in just the last few minutes that I have with you, and thank you so much for your time today, I also uh, wanted to ask you about the religious freedom issue because so many people who um, call into the show and who have contacted me over the last two years are very concerned about what the Biden administration, especially, um, you know, the HHS and some of these things that are trying to roll back Trump policies with religious liberty protections at work. They've seen the vaccine mandates. They've seen the 303 creative yep. case at the Supreme Court. Uh, what has uh, Leader McCarthy said, if anything, and what is the conference and the Judiciary Committee especially poised to do in terms of protections for Christians? And I know this is an issue very close to your heart because um, we've talked so many times about our mutual and shared faith, and I'm so grateful that there is a strong, sincere Christian uh, like you in Congress that we can ask these questions. Well, I think, I think we need to step back and just say Every right we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment has been assaulted in the last two years by the Biden administration. You have five fundamental liberties. The first one, of course, is the one you just mentioned, your right to practice your faith in the way you think the good Lord wants you to. So that's number one. But your right to practice your faith, your right to assemble, your right to petition the government, freedom of press, freedom of speech. Five fundamental liberties. They've all been attacked. 
every one of them. We, we learn about the press and their interaction with big government and, and limiting the, what, what Americans can see with the Twitter files and stuff that's been coming out. Freedom of speech, unbelievable what they've, what they've done there. Uh, Twitter files again and a host of depart, the, the disinformation governance board that they try to set up. So all those areas we have to look at um, and, and, and just stand firm for the First Amendment. Is, is the most important. And then I would also add to it what they're doing to just the, the, the key institution in our culture. I always remind folks, the first institution the good Lord created wasn't the church and it wasn't the state. It was moms and dads and kids. It was the family and empowering families when it comes to, for example, when it comes to education. I said, I said this a, a, a few months back, don't vote for anyone. Don't support any elected official unless they're for school choice unless they believe moms and dads make better decisions about where their kids are going to get the quality education. So all this ties together, and in so many ways it's just simply standing up for the First Amendment, recognizing what a great thing that was when the founders made that a part of our Constitution and the first thing mentioned in the Bill of Rights. So um, that's where we have to focus, and it's why we're so determined on the Judiciary Committee to investigate the Department of Justice and what they're doing with this unequal treatment under the law, political operation, infringing on First Amendment liberties, we're going to dig into that in a big way uh, because it's so fundamentally important. Yeah, that is so well said. And I think a lot of parents who are listening are very encouraged by that because, um, you know, as I was homeschooled and I'm so grateful that my parents chose and, and had the freedom to choose that type of education for me. And I always like to yep. say we don't share custody of our children with the government. We don't co-parent with the government. And having those protections are so, so essential. Um, So Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for um, for joining today. And where can people follow you and make sure to get all of the information? Yeah, then go to our our Twitter. We're on all all, uh, you know the Twitter, Facebook, all all that. uh, uh, Truth Social. We're we're on all those, so they can find us anywhere there. I think it's Jim underscore Jordan on 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 Twitter. Uh, And but yeah, we're on we're on all this. Yeah, and and the Judiciary Committee as well. Um, You have some great staff who always reach out and uh, (laughs) and post (laughs) some really good tweets. Yeah, go to the the House Judiciary GOP Judiciary Account uh, uh, is great, and uh, our, our our team does a good job there. Yeah, they really do. Well, thank you so much for your time. Keep fighting in Washington. And uh, thank you so much for joining. And we'll see what happens with the speakership. But I uh, really appreciate your time today, Congressman Jim Jordan. And um, thank you. we will be. Happy, thank you so much. Happy New much. Year. Take care. Happy New Year. Thank you. And we will be taking your calls right after this. If you'd like to call in and give your thoughts about Kevin McCarthy, who is poised to potentially become the new Speaker of the House, you can call in 888 888- You are listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning, and we will be right back with more analysis news of the day. Again, call in 888-589-8840. I'm Jenna Ellis, and you're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. times of discouragement, but there is hope. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Hey, I have good news for you. God is the God of encouragement, and God has a good word from His Word to encourage you, to lift you up, and to change your outlook. Learn the power of simply having a godly outlook. 
Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart each weeknight at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. If you've heard the phrase, don't go to bed angry during your marriage, it's likely you've found yourself wondering, how on earth is that possible? On the next Focus on the Family, Shanti Felton addresses common to-dos that we often hear in marriage, and she'll provide some key ingredients for a gratifying relationship that is truly Christ-like. Next time on Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Today, some professing Christians assert that critical theory, critical race theory, and intersectionality are helpful tools for the church. These people have an appearance of godliness, but their assertions deny the sufficiency of God's word to guide the church in living out the reconciliation Jesus secured for us on the cross. Make no mistake, as Paul told Timothy, the God-breathed scripture is sufficient for teaching, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Those who have an appearance of godliness but deny the power of God's word for doctrine and practice must be identified and avoided. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. American Family Radio listening family, this is Bible League International, and we've spent the last few weeks telling you about persecuted believers praying for Bibles to be able to endure and persevere in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We told you about Pastor Rusis, whose three sons were murdered by a terrorist group that hates Christians, but rather than retaliate with violence, they invited these people to learn about Jesus. 200 have come to Christ. They need Bibles in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight when the family could not pay the ransom. They kill the deacon. They torture Pastor Yusuf. But with conviction today, that brother can say it's an honor to suffer for the Lord. AFR listeners, you've given so generously in recent weeks so that 9,000 Bibleist persecuted believers now have a Bible. Our goal is 16,000. So in this season of giving, at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning, and we are talking about the incoming majority in Congress today. Isn't it great news? So Liz Cheney is out. Adam Kinzinger is out. Nancy Pelosi is out of the speaker's chair. This is actually a great day for America, regardless of whether it's Kevin McCarthy or someone else who is elected speaker today. That gavel will pass to someone better than Nancy Pelosi. So that's a great thing all around today. And if you missed Congressman Jim Jordan's interview in the last segment, you can go to AFR.net and listen to the replay of this show and hear what he had to say about why he's supporting Kevin McCarthy. And after the election today and after we know who is going to be speaker, I will be covering that and breaking it all down this afternoon on my podcast, which is at thejennaellisshow.com. Those new episodes 
episodes drop at 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Thursday, so definitely go there as well. But let's get to your calls. So call in at 888-589-8840. Thanks so much to everyone who is calling in and who has remained on the line. So let's go to James in Oklahoma. You have some thoughts on Kevin McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Hi, James. Hey, Jenna. How you doing? I'm great. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. So what's your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy today? Well, you know, he's really depressing. <laughs> and then uh, Jim Jordan, what a gut punch that was. I love that guy, but, uh, you know, we know what Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell are all about. They sat around while uh, our country's kind of went downhill. I wouldn't let them. I wouldn't let them run a popsicle stand. To be honest. Yeah, well, you know, James, I I appreciate your comments, and I was frankly surprised to hear the support and uh, the the really overwhelming support from Jim Jordan when he said, you know, no question, I'm going to support uh, Kevin McCarthy. And you know, in some other interviews that he's had, including, of course, on this show, uh, he has said, you know, hey, if you lead your team and coach your team to the Super Bowl, then uh, you should get to to continue on, and and that whole sports analogy and. You know, while that that may be a perspective that he has, I share your concerns, and I've actually invited Kevin McCarthy on this show as well. Hopefully, he will accept that we're in the middle of talking to uh, his comms people to hopefully secure that interview, and then you all can hear for yourself uh, what he says, but it always is what the action is what people actually do, not just what they promise. There is so much that the Republicans have promised in Washington that then they just simply don't deliver. And so if Speaker, uh, if Kevin McCarthy does end up Speaker today, I don't want to call him Speaker McCarthy before he gets the gavel, but uh, if he does end up in the Speaker's chair, the one good thing is that he has promised that vote of no confidence for uh, five people that that can initiate that. And so hopefully if he doesn't go along with what he's promised, then uh, that can happen and we can encourage our representatives to initiate that. I'm sure that Matt Gates would be number one to do that. So uh, let's go to Steve in Iowa. You have some thoughts as well on Speaker McCarthy. And, uh, you know, what are you thinking today? Hello. Good morning, Steve. Yes, good morning. Uh, two things. First, if we can roll back <clears throat> to your initial comment, all right, uh, regarding the framers. The Western, are you familiar with the term the Western canon? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay, very good. Everything that's in our Constitution is predicated on the Western canon. Therefore, what we have in this country right now is a division in the population 40 and under and 40 and above, 40 and under. We have a concerted and very well orchestrated attack against our children. It is the, the uh, you might say Marxist, can you use that term, have been in our institutions of learning. For 30 years, they have been turning our children against the Western canon. 
something yeah. that you need to speak to the people about so they can understand this. Well, you know, and that's a great point, Steve, that there is so much in the education system. And this is why I am a huge proponent of homeschooling and making sure that parents who train up their children in the way they should go, uh, who are Christians, actually fulfill that proverb. And they they don't allow the government-funded education system to control the minds and, and ultimately hearts of children. And so higher education, there are definitely far better options than these Marxist institutions. And you're right that our uh, Western system uh, and, and those worldviews are not Marxist, they're not socialist, they're not communist, but that's what's being indoctrinated to our children. And so from a larger perspective, while we can drill down on the politics and the policies of the day, we always have to make sure that our young people and also we ourselves know how to teach our young people about worldviews, about how they should analyze and think through these things. And we need to be telling our members of Congress and our state and local officials about worldview and make sure that they understand their obligation under the Constitution. So well said, Steve, and um, and I agree with you. So uh, let's go also to Bill out of Iowa. So uh, this is Jenna Ellis in the morning. We're talking about Kevin McCarthy, and he's poised to be speaker. And so, Bill, uh, what's your perspective on Kevin McCarthy? Hello. Good morning. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I wanted to go to... Uh, Jan Markell uh, on Olive Tree Views uh, uh, on your uh, radio. And it was uh, December, I think December 1st. Um, uh, let's see. Michelle Bachman was on then, and she traced uh, some of this money that's going to uh, Ukraine. You know, they're always passing the uh, wanting to have money sent over to Ukraine, huge amounts of money through the Congress and all this. All right, she traced it uh, through there, and uh, she traced it back, some of it, uh, quite a bit of it, I guess, back through this cryptocurrency and uh, back to uh, specific people in Congress and uh, and um, uh, the Senate, anyway. And uh, she specifically called out Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy as receiving money. Now, yeah, I, so I, I think I've you're talking about to- the— the FTX fiasco and that that whole scandal. And actually, that was something that uh, that I tweeted about. I was just looking at my tweets from November 14th. And I said, uh, Republicans are rightfully slamming the Biden admin and Democrat lawmakers for operating what is possibly a massive money laundering operation through FTX. While we're cleaning house, we might as well empty our own trash. Want to explain this, GOP leader. Uh, of course, that's the tag for Kevin McCarthy. And then I linked to the FEC.gov's own website. And this is a schedule, an itemized receipt from the Congressional Leadership Fund that shows that uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, whole Congressional Leadership Fund received uh, quite a bit of money. So you can go and look at that on my Twitter. If you don't follow me on Twitter um, or all social media, I'm at Jenna Ellis ESQ. And, you know, Bill, that's a great comment because 
Um, you know, even though we are looking at Kevin McCarthy and we're looking at what he has promised, we can't forget that sometimes this is really, it seems like a uniparty in D.C. And it seems like there is no measurable difference between the goals and the funding source from Democrats versus Republicans. And there needs to be some accountability on that. So I agree. Um, let's go to Joe in Iowa and uh, your comments on Kevin McCarthy and the speaker election today. Hi, Joe. Hi, this uh, this is Joe from Iowa. Yeah, how you doing? What do you think about Kevin McCarthy? Uh, I wanted to say first that we're, I'm really excited that you took uh, over for Sandy. So thank you. Thank you. Um, first of all, I think Ukraine and the southern border and all these things are meant to take our eye off the ball. And I'm wondering when you and other conservatives and Christians who have a voice are going to get back to the biggest story in the world, that the 2020 election was stolen. Why isn't that drum getting beaten every day until something gets done about it? You know, that's a great question, Joe, and I think that we can do both at the same time. Uh, Certainly, I've been uh, covering all of the election integrity issues. Um, If you go to my podcast, thejennaellisshow.com, covered what's going on in Arizona with uh, Carrie Lake and election integrity questions uh, since the time that, of course, I worked for President Trump and the campaign. So uh, on this show, and if you missed yesterday's kind of setup and the inaugural episode, I talked about how we have to analyze constitutional questions, which is the difference between what can a government actor do versus what should happen in policy. And so that question of what can government do is inherently a limited question because government on every level only has specific limited powers. And so when we're looking at something like the 2020 election and the aftermath of everything that happened, then we have to analyze that through what is constitutionally appropriate. And as we move further through time, when we see that all of the uh, cases that President Trump and the campaign filed were kicked out on the basis of standing, weren't heard on the merits, and then the Republican state uh, legislatures refused to reclaim their delegates or even address uh, this situation, then as we move through time, we have to always follow the process because even though we did not get the outcome that a lot of us uh, genuinely believe based on the evidence was justified, uh, we cannot be advocates for now a process or outcome that goes against the U.S. Constitution. And I've seen a lot of conservatives suggest, well, the Democrats always break the rules, so what does it matter if we follow the Constitution? That, in my view, is the absolutely wrong opinion, because if we are helping the Democrats tear down the Constitution, then we're just furthering their goal. And we are no better, and we can't hold them accountable to the same standard. We have to make sure that we are moving forward with practical solutions that are also constitutional. So in my view, we have to advocate for election integrity by telling Republican state legislatures, remember, this isn't Congress. Congress does not have control over the administration of elections. That is a state issue. 
the state legislatures have to pass common sense election integrity reform and to make sure that elections are administered according to that legislation that they pass. Now, of course, uh, Mark Elias, who is the Democrats kind of bulldog attorney, has tweeted and promised that he is going to challenge uh, really any common sense uh, measure that the Democrats are wrongly characterizing as um, as you know, voting restrictions when it's really just making sure to preserve the integrity of our elections. But Harmeet Dillon, who wants to be the new RNC chair, tweeted right back at him and said, bring it on. And that's the attitude that the Republicans need to have to say, we will fight this. We will make sure to protect free and fair elections. So we are beating this drum, but we also do need to talk about other issues of the day as well, because if we are only myopically focused just on election integrity, then we're letting a lot of other issues go by. And we're also not acknowledging some of the great wins that we had, like uh, the Dobbs case that came out last year that that in my lifetime, I never thought I would see Roe versus Wade being overturned. Of course, we fought for that uh, since before I was born. I mean, I, I was born pretty far after 1973 when Roe versus Wade was wrongly uh, decided. And so that is a great generational win. So we need to be holistic Christians. We need to be holistic citizens of our great country. We need to focus on what needs to be fixed, but also we need to be focused on some of these great wins. So great comment. Uh, let's go to Steve from Texas. Thank you so much for uh, hanging on the line here, Steve. And uh, what's your uh, comment on Kevin McCarthy and uh, what's going on in Washington today? Is this me? Yes, Steven hi, Texas? Steve. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a great concern about the wise use of our taxpayers' money and our, our United States currency being thrown into a, a, a blow-up in Ukraine. Um, and uh, in regards to that uh, a serious problem, which I think is probably our main reason why we're in inflation, mm-hmm. is uh, the uh, apprehension and capture and apprehension of Orthodox priests there in Ukraine. Hmm. You know, that's a great comment, Stephen. I hope that uh, one of the things that the new majority will look at, and Jim Jordan did uh, talk about that a little bit in the last segment in terms of uh, the 87,000 IRS agents and looking at some of that, uh, the tax you know, info. But, um, but in terms of going to Ukraine, I mean, all of this money, we can't be doing that. We need to focus on America first, fighting inflation. Hopefully there will be some common sense things. So uh, we are already out of time. Thanks so much for everybody who's calling in. We will get to more of your calls tomorrow. We will see what happens with the speaker election today. And let's always remember that we need to be praying for our leaders. The Bible admonishes us to pray for those who are in authority over us. So whether it's Kevin McCarthy or someone else, please be praying, pray for the new Congress, pray for our country, and tune in each and every weekday here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.